Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. ...would be like, because so, so, so he tells them go and wait, and then they go and wait, and then they wait, and then they wait, and then they wait some more. And the temptation would be to quit waiting and get up and try to make something happen. But they waited, right? And, and we'll look at the book of Acts here in just a second. But they got in that upper room and they waited. And I, I wonder how many times they sing, let it rain, <laughs> right? <laughs> I wonder how many times they sang a particular chorus over and over and over. I wonder how many times that they hit those moments where it just got quiet and they waited on the Lord and didn't know what to pray, didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. And so they just said, we're, we're not leaving from this position because we believe that when you said go and wait until <laughs> go and wait until we receive, we've yet to receive. And what we're going to receive is actually what we need. Here's. Here, here's, here's the struggle, and, uh, and um, I, I'm just going to say this. I, I shouldn't have prayed out. There's just a few people here. He can stay in here too, Logan. Okay, okay, then you do that. He can't do that in here. <laughs> I should not have pointed out that we're missing folks this morning when I pray because immediately everyone's attention goes to who's not here rather than who is here. And he's here. And it doesn't make a hit. Now, we, we love people. We miss them. We're sorry people sick and busy working, things like that. But it doesn't make a hill of beans who's here or who's not if, if, as long as he is. Okay? And so, so we have to believe that he's here. All bets are off. Okay? Now, he revealed him. And some of this is reviewed, but this is just what's in my heart right now. But he revealed himself to over 500 people after he rose from the grave. So Jesus descends into hell, takes the keys of the kingdom back to the enemy, or back from the enemy, doesn't take them back to him, he takes them from the enemy, and he has them, and he comes out of the grave, and he shows himself to 500 people. Now, now it, it's crazy to me, we, we live in a society that's, fascinated with the resurrection of the dead. Look, look at what's selling in movie theaters and TV. There, there's, there's zombies and things like that, people coming back from the dead. We're fascinated and obsessed with that. Now, he actually came back from the dead, and he wasn't this. He came back fully as he was, with the exception that he still had scars in his hands and scars in his feet. And he walked the earth, and he talked and had coherent conversations with over 500 people and said, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I've been risen from the dead. So, so if he really is risen from the dead, that ought to change the way that we live our life. And we said this last Easter that his resurrection is our resurrection because I have been crucified with Christ, right? So when he was on that tree, we were crucified with him in that moment. And when he came up, but because of the grace and the mercy of God, when we've, when we've given our life to him, when he came up out of that, and, and like I, I think of that moment where, where he was dead and he was back, I don't know if he went, <gasps> right? But when he had that first breath come back into him, that was our first breath back into us. 
And so when he says, go and wait until you receive power from on high to 500 people, and then we know the history, 120 were in the upper room. What happened to the other 380? It, it doesn't tell us. Like, I, it doesn't even say if they started out with 500 up there, right? It doesn't say if they started out with 400 up there because 20 had a, were sick or cold or had to work. Or, they wouldn't have worked that day but because of the law. But, but it doesn't say. But, but it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder when it comes to seeing the glory of God poured out, if it's more of just being willing to wait when it feels like nothing's happening as opposed to us trying to stir something up. The other night, April and I went out to dinner and, and she, was, she had something come up and so she was a few minutes late to, to dinner. I did not doubt that she was going to show up to dinner. I knew that she was going to be there. If he says, go and wait till you receive power from on high, what are we forfeiting because of our unwillingness to wait? <laughs> it was a good dinner. I could, I could, it was a good dinner. I could have. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Got tired of waiting. No. Look, look at this. It, oh, I've got it open to somewhere else. That was really cool what it opened up to, too. But. In Acts 2, that, so, so they're waiting. Because I, I, we, we don't, what we need is a demonstration of the power of God. I don't think we need more clever preaching. I don't think we need more clever advertising. I, I don't think we need pithy social media posts and to make it look like everything's okay when some of us, everything's not okay. Like we need a demonstration of the Lord's power. And, and it wasn't when, when people, when people came, Jesus' teaching made people mad, <laughs> but they still followed him around because they were seeing what was happening in his life. All right. So our teaching, not that, not that we're trying to will offend people that are in sin or that are religious, but also when he shows up and he moves, it'll draw people to it. Okay. And so like, I just, I just want to contend for him to move. But so they get to the upper room. Oh, that's really good too, but not there. It says when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together on one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Now, I've taught on this, and this the idea of it resting on us over and over and over because that's the same word that was used in Luke 24, 49, that go and wait or go and tarry is the same word that was used when the tongues as of fire came and rested. So the implication is if you can wait on the Lord and make your seat in the Lord's presence, the Lord's presence and power makes its seat upon you. Now we get hung up as Nazarenes because it talks about tongues and we automatically clench up. And I'm going to say, let's just get over that clenching and let's just embrace the fact that the Lord did something that we can't explain or articulate. 
We can't explain or articulate, but we need the Lord to do something in our day that we can't explain and we can't articulate, right? Like, like I, I get calls, and you've heard me say, I get calls all the time. What are y'all doing? And, and, and like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. And I've thought a lot about what we're doing right now because I'm in a master's program where the whole program is about being a pastor, pastoral leadership. And it's like, it's like we're examining everything that I have ever done my entire life in ministry. And some stuff, I'm like, I don't know why I do it. I saw someone else do it that way. And other things, I'm just being honest. And there's been other things. It's like, we do it this way because I believe the Lord said to do it this way, right? But what I have found, even in my class, is that so many, and this isn't being recorded, so so many are asking for a formula on how to get a move of the Holy Spirit or how to grow your church. And what if it's not about how we grow our church, but what if it's about how much he pours his spirit out and how much this group of people get transformed in his likeness and then we bear his image all the days of our life. He made us to bear his image. That's what he did in Genesis. He had, he, he had the planet earth. I'm like, yeah, whatever notes. We had the planet Earth, and he said, "Let us therefore make man in our image." What and who's in our image? He's talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Trinity, but he says, "Let's them make them in our image." Why does he want to make the make us in his image? I actually believe it's this, and this isn't narcissism on the Lord's behalf. I actually think this is a picture of just how holy and wonderful he is and incomprehensible. He says, "The only thing that I want to look at is something that looks identical to me." Because what does a holy God look at, right? And what does a holy God that could speak it out, think it, anything, right? That, that speaks things into creation. A holy God that can do that can literally create anything to bring himself pleasure. But the only thing that actually brings him total pleasure is when he puts people on the planet, on the face of the earth, and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord begins to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I actually beginning to think that's a picture of man beginning to live out and beginning to look more and more like him. He's looking for people that have his heart, that have his character, and that have his nature, if you will. The only way we can have his heart and his character and his nature is if, one, we believe he's good, right? That if I get in his presence, he's not going to zap me with lightning bolts, but he's actually, right? I mean, some of us are, some of us are okay praying, bless this meal, but a lot of people are scared to death to get into the secret place and pray like David said and said, search me, O God. Because we're scared to death of what he's going to say and do. Now, here's something fascinating that I found out this week. David, the Hebrew for David is Dahavid, which means Beloved. <laughs> so the name David literally means Beloved. All right, And if it literally means beloved, here's a man that committed adultery, probably rape too, honestly. All right, committed adultery, committed murder, tried to cover up his sins and his iniquities. 
He did all these things wrong, and the Lord, he's given a prophetic name named David, saying he's the beloved. And then like you read the New Testament, David was a man that served God with a purpose in his generation, right? Or David was a man after God's own heart. Why is that? I think it's because he's a man that just realized the Lord loved him and he, he realized that he was going to do everything he could to live in this relationship right here and then be able to release it right here. And then if he messed it up, it wasn't a sign, like it wasn't a, a, an excuse to go and sin, but it was an excuse to go right back into the grace of God. Like I think if David didn't have this, he probably would have been the worst person in the history of earth. So could David kill a giant because David was good with a slingshot? Or could David kill a giant because he got alone and he worshiped with the Lord and he loved on the Lord and he, day and night and he wrote songs and he, I say wrote songs, he sang a new song to the Lord all the time, which is really most of the Psalms. It's a heartfelt expression of what came out of his heart. Maybe, it, could he kill a giant not because of his skill with this, but because he did this to such a degree that when he saw something that defiled the armies of the living God, he just released that very thing. <laughs> now what's amazing, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And the Spirit was, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now the Jews in Jerusalem, live, I'm sorry, the Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, Ibrahim and I kind of talked about this this morning for just a few minutes, but when they were in the upper room, there was a sound released. In other words, like your life, like if we got completely quiet, you could still hear something. When you're in a house, you can hear things rattling, vibrating. You can hear an engine hum, right? You, you can do this thing. What if our worship creates something? What if our devotion to the Lord creates something that's actually pleasing to people, whether they hear it or they hear it and it draws them closer. I, I actually think that may be the most beautiful sound that we release. See, I, I love when we sing the words on the screen, but I really love when I hear you all pray. And I, and I pray, and, and there's not much difference between prayer and worship sometimes. But I love when you all pray, and I love when I hear these, thank, these short exhortations on the goodness of God. And I happen to think that that speaks to his heart more than what we put up there. Now, I like what we have up there. I'm not negating the importance of that. I'm just saying what comes from right here is attractive. And so when I live my day-to-day -day life... I'm creating this sound, if you will, and I go get alone with him in the morning, right? Or on my drive to work or in the afternoon or whatever, and I go get alone with him. And when I get alone with him, he does something in my heart that makes more, me more attractive to a dying and lost world. And they came and they were bewildered. They were perplexed. Like, how is this coming out of you? And we don't even understand. 
Like, it doesn't make sense that you're able to speak in this language, but if you get beyond the language and begin, begin to think there was something released from that upper room that they even had to be first drawn to in the first place. And I think it's a picture of this. What if we, day-to-day lives, get so intimate with the Lord that when we come here and we begin to release that, it draws people here, and when they get here, they'll say stuff like this. How are you preaching that sermon? Because it feels like you've been in my living room all week. Why are you singing that song? Because that song has hit me right where I've been all week. You're speaking my language, dude. Now, I'm not saying that's what tongues is because it's like three or four different articulations of that. But I'm saying that could be a form of it. Because you're hitting people where they're at. And the only way that happens, because then we know the rest of the story, Peter stands up, Peter just shortly thereafter stands up and preaches someone else's sermon. And it was the most powerful sermon that was ever preached because he preached something he had seen and read and heard before. And he preaches it and it pierces them and cuts them to the heart and they say, what must I do to be saved? And he goes on to tell them, and it says that 3,000 were added to their number, their number daily. And, and I keep going back to this idea that like, none of that would have happened if they weren't willing to wait on the Lord. Psalm 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and then he heard my cry. And, that's the, and the waited is actually wait, wait. I waited and waited on the Lord, and then he heard my cry. What if it's, I'm going to be faithful and worship him. I'm going to be faithful and worship him. I'm going to be faithful and worship him despite who's here, despite who's not here, and believe that he's going to hear our cries. That's why Moses could say like, You know, the Lord will fight your battle. You only need to stand still. Wait. What if the Israelites, like, and I'm just like, the Lord's just saying so much right now. What, What if the Israelites, when they're fleeing the Egyptian army, what if they had a scurried off before they saw the whites in the Egyptians' eyes? Before they crossed the Red Sea. What if they'd have been like, <laughs> they're coming, we're backed into a corner, we're gonna leave? I, I don't think the Lord would have split the sea and I don't think they would have received their breakthrough. They had to wait long enough. And you can see it, but it was once they saw them, that's when the Lord did it. And then they passed through and then they waited long enough for them. Like, I, I love this. Like, they didn't even get to the other side of the Red Sea, right? They didn't get even to the other side of the sea. The, 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 like, because I would, in my mind, it had been like, all right, just let us pass. Lord, boom, drop the water. They actually waited until the entire army got in the water. And that's when the Lord released the breakthrough. I think the reason why we're not seeing some answers to prayer is because we quit praying particular prayers. And that's not to put condemnation. I just think the Lord is saying, I want you to go and wait until you receive. And, that, and we, like, you could preach several biblical precedents for that, right? You could preach the persistent widow. 
Grant me justice, grant me justice, grant me justice, right? Or you could talk about the friend that shows up at midnight and says, I need a loaf of bread, right? And, and, and the inconvenience of that, like the Lord loves this. And, and what I'm learning is, and for me personally, I've been, there's been particular prayers I have prayed for years the Lord has not answered. And what I'm beginning to really learn and understand is when I'm doing this, he's actually perfecting my character because if he let me quit doing this quick enough, I probably would not be mature enough to handle what he wants to do in my life. And it used, it used to tick me off, especially when I was a kid. And then and like when I was a young pastor and they wouldn't listen to me because I wasn't 30 years old. It was like when I became 30, they said, you're a grown up now. And then people began to try. It was so silly. It's so silly. And, and it was like, I don't want to wait until I'm that age, right? I'm like, I'm whatever. And I think sometimes we forfeit what the Lord wants to do because our unwillingness to wait. And so as a church, I just want to encourage us. Let's keep pressing in. Let's keep praying. And let's keep waiting. And let's not grow weary in our well-doing, right? But let's continue to cry out and ask him to move. Because this unprecedented move that he poured himself out on 120, I think is a picture of the church today. 380 knew about it. 120 were willing to give their life to it. I think the next great awakening is going to be a group of people that's willing to give their life to it. And I know you guys have. But, but, but I say, I, I, let me phrase it like, I know we have to a degree. And I say we to a degree because I know I have to a degree. But I haven't fully. But the Lord's calling me into those places. He's calling me into those places. He's waking me up at 3.44 a.m. And with, with, with a dream about someone I haven't thought about in a really long time. And I begin to pray for that person that I know needs Jesus. And, 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 it's, and I'm, it's 344, Lord. It's like 45 minutes before my alarm goes off. Can't you let me sleep a little bit longer? Anyway, he wants to pour himself out. You know, I want the picture of 42, which says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking in the bread and prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe at the many signs and wonders that were taking place through the apostles. Like, that's what I want to see. But I think to see that, we've got to be willing to labor. Also wondered this, if we're willing to labor, like why does it take nine months to have a child? I actually think it's something the Lord put in place so that less people would try to have children because they weren't ready for it. That way they wouldn't be impulsive about it and have one. And then I say impulsive about it and have one because it's nine months of being sick and carrying it and your body changing. And then, and then it's also nine months bonding with what you're about to give birth to as well so that you love it and appreciate it more. So what if it's the same thing here right now, that the Lord has taken us time on some things so that we cherish it greater when it finally comes? <laughs> they didn't plan that. I think that's from the Lord. I just want to be a people that sees God move. I just want to be a people that sees them move.
Now here's, I'm, I'm gonna like completely switch gears, okay? Here's like that final third of what I was gonna share this morning. And I'm gonna share this part with as much grace and humility as I can, okay? Because I'm gonna going end up repenting before you because I have believed wrong for a really long time and I've said some things that I think is wrong, okay? And, and so let me, let me just paint a picture for it because this, I believe, will change the way we begin to pray for some certain things. All right, and I'm just gonna read my bullet point, <laughs> okay? And then I'm gonna read the scripture. The Lord, when he deals with our sin, he does not just deal with our sin. He deals with the consequences of our sin. Let me say that again. He doesn't just heal my sin, heal me from my sin, right? He doesn't just sanctify me and make me to where I no longer crave that sin, right? He actually deals with the consequences of that sin. And now, now I'm going to break it down and I'm going to tell you what I've said because what I have said is this. And, I, and this is where I believe I'm wrong and, 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 or where I have been wrong. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. I'm just telling you, this is where I believe the Lord is leading me to pray as a pastor and leading me to equip our people. It's this. I have said this, that if you get set free, so let's just use this for an example. I, I, I've, I, I chewed tobacco for years. My gums are ate up because I did that. That is a consequence of my sin, right? I have set, the Lord set me free on September, set, or on September 15th on my wife's birthday years and years ago. The Lord took it away after trying to quit for years. But I still have the gross gums. I still have the consequence of my sin. And I have preached that the Lord, you still have to deal with the consequences of your sin. And I'm not sure that's correct anymore. And I hope you hear my heart. And so if, and now if you're in the room, and I say this because I had a conversation with someone in our church this week, I'm not going to say their name, not going to say their name, not going to sing them out, not going to anything. And it got me thinking along this lines. I know there's people in the room that your pre-Jesus days, we had to that you did something and we're still dealing with the consequences of our pre-Jesus days. Doesn't mean that we're dying and going to hell. It just means that like we have things in our life that are a result of what we did, right? So I'm going to preface it with that. Let me read this verse. This is out of Song of Songs, chapter seven, verse eight. And I'm going to read from the Passion. It says, now I decree, this is the bridegroom king talking. And I know this does not flow today and that's Okay. Now I decree I will ascend and arise. I will take hold of you with my power, possessing every part of my fruitful bride. Your love I will drink as wine, and your words will be mine. When he says, I will ascend and rise, well, first of all, he says, I decree, which means he has the legal authority to even do that, right? Someone that decrees has the legal authority to make that declaration. He says, I will ascend and rise and I will take you with my power. And what he's saying is, I'm going to take you into the heavenly of heavenlies. Is what he's telling his bride, or what he's telling his bride right now. He's saying, I'm taking you there. And he's taking her to this place. Why? Because, again, we've painted this picture over the last 11 weeks that, that she is her beloved's and he is hers. Or, or he is ours and we are his. Okay? 
And so he's not fickle. He's not angry. He's not mean. He's not nothing. Here, here, here's, here's where we get this picture of God. I think we model our picture of God based off of the way we were raised as kids. And we, we look at the father based off of our father, whether he was good or bad, doesn't matter. But I've said stuff like this to my kid. My dad has said stuff like this to me growing up. I messed up and I made a mistake. And I got punished and then I continued to get punished, right? And dad would say, it's the consequences of your actions. I'm starting to believe that this right here, and, that, and I say this, this right here is not what the Lord desires. Because if he forgives and if he's really loving, he's not going to be like, I forgive you, but I can't forget it. Because <laughs> that's not scripture either. I, even I who blots out your transgressions, remembers them no more, right? So he's not going to say, I'm going to leave this constant reminder. I think that's actually believing a lie from the enemy. And I'm trying to be real careful here. Maybe that's why it's a smaller group today, so, so that people could process this for a little bit. And so, so, so we think it's, he's wanting to punish me. He's wanting to give me this. He's wanting to give me this. But that's not the picture of a loving father. Now, he's just, right? He is just. He's he, he's, he's going to judge. He's going to judge your quick and the dead. He's going to do all those things. But if he really is good, would he be like, I'm going to take your sins, but I'm going to make you walk with that for the rest of your life? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, now, see, when he speaks, things happen. And that's, that's the, so, so if he forgives, he speaks, he says, I forgive you. Something happens, something shifts. I mean, you know, however many thousand years ago it was when he said, let there be light, light is still being created at just one word, right? When he ascends, so do we. Like, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with the clean hands and a pure heart. So if he's cleansed us and sanctified us, I believe he desires to touch us. And, 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 and it, I think it's a greater evidence of his goodness in our life. And I'm going to give you a couple testimonies here in just a second. And then again, again, see, he heals the consequences of our sin. See, he says, possessing every part of my fruitful bride. How could he possess every part of his bride if he didn't possess every part of his bride? <laughs> How could he possess every part of his bride if he did not possess every part of his bride, truly? He says, possessing every part of my fruitful bride. All right. Possessing means belonging to and owning. And so if he owns every part of us, this means that he owns the consequences that we have had in our fallen state. Now, scripturally, this is a picture of Mark 1, 40 through 45. Jesus cleansed the leper, right? The leper comes to Jesus and says, if you're willing would you cleanse me? And Jesus says, I am willing, be cleansed. The word cleanse doesn't just mean Jesus healed him. It meant that he touched them physically, spiritually, and emotionally. He took care of everything all at once, restoring the man to where, like, he wasn't just like, okay, you're cleansed. You can walk into the temple with your oozing sores. No. 
He fully cleansed them. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. Because the woman with the issue of blood, now we don't see this in the word, but we know from Jewish history and things going on in that society that the woman with the issue of blood, she would not have been allowed to have had been intimate with a mate or her husband. He probably likely divorced her if she was married before then. And when he cleansed her, he didn't just heal her of her disease. He restored her back to where she was before it happened as if it never happened. Therefore, she could go and worship in the temple and she could get married, she could reproduce and have children. I could go through time and time again throughout the word he does this. I heard one of my favorite ministers giving a testimony of this, that he's been going into these these halfway houses, if you will, where they rescue prostitutes. I know some of this is heavy, but he rescue, where they rescue prostitutes, get them out of the sex trade, and they begin to preach the gospel to them, and they begin to try and teach them with, with real-world world skills where they can get jobs to take care of themselves and become productive members of society. And what they found is a lot of these women have hepatitis C, which is incurable, right? A lot of them have HIV. A lot of them have all these things. I can give you the link if you want to hear the testimony. But they have all these things, and they started preaching the gospel to these women, and they started telling these women that he can take away your sins. He can take away the results of your sins. And these women that were sick with these things are starting to show no signs of hep C or HIV. And, and so I think it's a picture of what God wants to do. And so, so I have, again, I have preached, I have preached this stuff especially the kingdom message since 2007 or not 2000 2012 and i've said we still may have to deal with the consequences and i get some of it's because we make boneheaded decisions but he's still good enough to fix a boneheaded decision right he's still good enough to do that so when we pray for someone right when we pray for someone and we say, God, would you pour out your spirit? Would you lead them to, to whatever? Would you bring them to you? What if he wants to do that and more? Now, if you, haven't, if you have those things, don't feel guilty. Don't receive that as guilt. I think the Lord's wanting to give us permission to begin to pray that he would touch those things. Because I just think, man, it's just going to be sooner or later. I'm going to have to go to the dentist. And he's going to be like, man, you got, you're, you're going to have like, you're going to be sleeping with your teeth in a jar before, the, before your time is over, right? What if it doesn't have to be like that? What if he turns it back to when, it was, when I was 12 years old before I ever had a dip? What if it's the results of drinking for a long amount of time? What if it's the results of of fasting religiously and you made yourself sick, right? And it tore your insides out. I heard someone else give a testimony of that as well, that they used to fast because they thought that fasting earned them God's approval and they fasted so much, like 40-day fast, that it has made them physically sick all these years later. And the Lord in his goodness is starting to touch them because their motives were wrong for why they even fasted in the first place. So it's like that statement that we say, like, you, can't, you, you can have your cake, but you can't eat it too. But like, you can have your cake and you get to eat it as well. But then it's so good that you get to invite others to partake of it as well. 
What if, what if the Lord began to do something in this company of people where he began to actually not just touch people, but really touch people? Like you can't, you can't keep that stuff to yourself. You can't keep that to yourself. You, 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 and, and if you can, you're crazy. Let me give you one more verse. And this is one that's really important as well. Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment for our well-being fell upon him. And by his wounds were healed. By his wounds were healed. We have taught, and, and again, we have taught this because it's easy to teach this because there's not much blowback. It's easy to teach Jesus wants to heal your soul. Praise God, saved, born again. But the word by his wounds we are healed means spirit, soul, and body. It's kind of interesting. It's a, almost like it's a triune salvation from a triune God. And so when we pray for someone, we're not, I, I, like, I don't want to have to muster up for faith to pray for someone. I want to be able to just be like, this is what the Lord does. And we've got a cowboy up enough to where if something doesn't happen in that moment that we're not afraid or embarrassed, right? And, and not let fear creep up like, what if he doesn't? What if he does? And what if he does? What, what if he does in that moment and it sets that person ablaze? To where they go start calling people, let's go and pray and cry out for more of him. And they see a revival in their family, in their neighborhood, in their home. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me say this. I feel like, I feel like that I'm not, let me, let me phrase it like this. The kingdom is about revelation. Okay? And so... Am I wrong for teaching that all those years or saying that all those years? I'm wrong. But I didn't know any better. But now I feel like I do know better. So I'm responsible from this moment forward. I was talking to Rob the other day. Like we just had this conversation about it. He called, his phone call provoked all this. He called and said this and we both were just repenting to one another. That we cannot afford to dumb down the gospel and because we're afraid or because we, we don't want to see it fully presented or whatever the reason is. And, and it's not just in healing. It's in everything. We can't afford to water it down. Like I can't afford to tell someone, I believe Jesus wants to heal you, right, from your physical wellness. But then it would be doing them a disservice from saying he wants to cleanse you from any and all sin and set you radically free right now. See, it's, it's all, I think it's all or nothing. It's, it's all. And so, so like, I think the Lord is raising up a church that actually believes the entire gospel. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I've tried to do my heart mostly this morning because I didn't want you to think this is a sermon because it's not. This is what the Lord's doing in me. And so when we start to meet people that say, I have this, you don't have to anymore. It could be all kinds of stuff. It could be drug abuse, alcohol abuse. 
It could be overeating, right? I know, I know several people that spent most of their life destroying their bodies by what they ate, and they've lost all kinds of weight. They look in shape, but their heart's a mess, right? What if the Lord actually wants to deal with the consequences of that as well? I can go through a litany of things. So this is what I'd like to do. I just want to pray. I'm going to do a couple things. <laughs> Jesus, help. I want to pray that the Lord would first off help us to wait in this time on him because when he when he really comes like we're not going to know what to do and I'm going to pray the Lord would begin to give us an appetite for more of him as we're waiting not to get impatient okay not to want promotion before promotion's time, if you will. That he would give us a grace to just, what's coming is going to be good. What, what, what's coming right now is going to be worth it. You know how to articulate what's on my heart right now, Lord. I pray the Lord would begin to give a, a new definition of what success is. I'd pray that the Lord would begin to just let us get our eyes fixed upon him and nothing else. Because I think well, let me tell you this. Every revival, April's been obsessed with Cane Ridge recently and it started with a group of people that were hungry for the presence of God. The first and second great awakenings came by a group of people that were obsessed with the presence of God, but really it's they were in love with the Lord and they wanted more of Him. And I'm going to pray the Lord begins to do that. It's, it's not, listen, what this is and what the church is, it's not about memorizing facts so that one day we can stand before Him and be good at jeopardy in heaven. It's not that. And it's not, and for ministers as part of this thing, or that may listen to the podcast, it, it's not about memorizing verses so that you can quote a bunch of scripture in a conversation so that you sound more intelligent than someone else or so that you can say, yes, I already know that. Okay? It's about knowing him. Jesus says, what is the eternal life? To know him. Gnoso, to intimately know. So I'm going to pray the Lord really begins to birth that because next week, just telling you, next week we're going we're gonna to be done with Song of Songs. I, I thought it was going to be three weeks. Next week, I was listening. I, the next week's going to be the last one. And we're going to pray two things specifically next week. And that's the Lord mark our hearts and mark us. We're going to ask he marks our hearts with fire. And he's going to mark us with an anointing to live this stuff out all the days of our life. Okay? That's what we're doing next week. This week, we're going to ask the Lord to make us fall more in love with him. Because what I feel when I use that language and right now sometimes is that some are getting it and then I feel some are like, I like God. I like coming to church. I love the people here. And I think the Lord is wanting us, our teenagers, our children to really fall in love with Him. Okay? So let's just pray. I've talked enough. Lord, I, I thank you. Um, hmm. I thank you for...
rearranging everything today. I thank you for just going off script. It's been a while since you've done that. I pray you help us to wait, wait for you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to wait until we receive power from on high. I pray that you would help us to wait until we actually receive a greater degree of your presence in our day-to-day life, God. Lord, I, I want more than just goosebumps on, on the songs that I like, God. I want to live with an awareness that you're with me all of the days of my life, Lord. I want to live with the awareness that when I go home, that you're there. When I cook a dinner or when I go to the grocery store, that you're there. I want to live with an awareness that I'm not just living life for you, but, but Lord, I pray that you help us to live with an awareness that we're living life with you moment by moment by moment by moment, God. I would pray, Lord, that you begin to unleash a greater desire to spend time with you. Lord, even if it feels like we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for you to really, really show up, God, I pray, Lord, you help us to begin to appreciate the ways that you're moving and showing up right then and there in that moment, God. I think of all the new songs that were probably sang in the upper room. I think of all the apostolic prayers that were prayed in the upper room, God, that would not have happened if they had not have waited, God. And so, Lord, help us not to try and speed up the process. Help us not to try and speed up. Help us not to... Wow. Help us not to give premature birth, Lord, to what you're wanting to do. Allow it to fully gestate. Allow it to fully incubate, if you will, Lord. Allow it to be fully nurtured. And then, Lord, let it be born healthy and to the point to where it can eventually stand up under its own legs, God. Would you begin to do that, Jesus? I would pray, Lord, that you begin to wake us up in the middle of the night, Lord, and not just wake us up and us feel inconvenienced by you, but us awakened and excited at the possibility about what you're going to do right then and there in that moment, or what you're going to do in that person that we're praying for, or that cause that we're praying for, or whatever it is, Jesus. I pray that you would help us do that. And then, Jesus, I would pray that you would help us, Lord, to, Lord, I I just... Forgive me, forgive the rest in the church if we have said we've got to deal with the consequences. I actually believe you're wanting us to become a debt-free people, Jesus. Not just financially like we've talked about in the past, but all the debts and everything that's been accrued because of sin before we came into life union with you, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, right now all around the room, Lord, for, for, I pray for me <laughs> and anyone else that because of previous nicotine addiction that you remove it, Lord. If it's from snuff or it's from cigarette, Lord, I, I pray you restore lungs, restore mouths, restore lit. Just go ahead and erase those consequences, God. If it was from drinking, Lord, begin to restill, restore esophaguses, begin to restore livers, God, right now. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.